just awesome. So I'm so glad that you're here. Um, glad that you made the trip, even though you got stuck in traffic. Welcome. If this is your first time, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you for coming. Uh, our kids are a blessing. That is some of them. We usually have a few more. And so I just don't want parents to think, well, they meet in the movie theater, and I don't know if they really have children's ministry. Some people don't know that we do, and we, we definitely do. We love children. We believe that is our future. That's our heritage. So we're excited about them. We're going to be in First John chapter number 3 this morning. First John chapter number 3. And I'm excited to get to open up and preach. We only have this morning's message and then next week. And then we're done with this series that God is. And we roll right into Advent and we roll into Christmas. And I don't know if anybody is ready for Christmas. We're excited at our house. If you've been over to our house, uh, you'll see that we're decked out. All right. I mean, the lights are up on front of the house. Um, you know, the Christmas tree is up. The decorations are up. We just get so busy later on in the Christmas time, we just have to get it up early. And then plus we like it. We like it up early. And that usually stays up till mid-January. And uh, either because we like that or we're just lazy. We haven't figured it out yet. But, um, you know, it's just how we roll when it comes to Christmas. We love that season. And so we at the church are getting ready for that. You're going to see some changes. You're going to hear some promotional things. And I'm excited about a five-week series that we'll be doing and uh, just about Christmas because some of you, Christmas time's a good time, but then some of you, it's kind of a depressing time. It's like, hey, how, how to survive Christmas for some people? Some people, it's filled with hope and joy. For some people, it's a painful reminder. And so we're just going to go right through what the Bible says about Christmas. I'm, I've got some exciting truths, and I think it'll be a great time. I think God's going to allow us to see people saved. I think wonderful things will happen. We've got special things planned during that month. We have baby dedication. We'll do a baptism service. It's just going to be a busy month, lots of activity. It's going to be great, all right? But if you have John chapter number 2 or First John chapter number 3, we're going to look at a passage, and we're just going to look at the first seven verses of that passage. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. You could pull it up on your iPhone. Uh, the text will also be up on the screen, uh, and it's also in your worship guide if you've got one of those. First John chapter number 3, here's what the Word of God says. Behold, and I love it, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. It's like the author of this book, the author is saying, stop, stop. Behold, look, stop and look at this. I think in the rush of life, we don't just stop and just, just, just look, just, just pause. Our life is just go, go, go. You ever left your phone at home and you were actually anxious about it, you worried about it, but then your day just seemed a whole lot better that you didn't have it. I mean, as long as no emergency happened, as long as all the children are safe and as long as the world's not falling apart— just not having the phone it's just like this piece where you just kind of enjoy life a little bit more you're not just grabbing for it and here the writer is saying hey stop and behold the love of god it just starts off with this wonderful statement you see the author of this book is not trying to get you to believe anything or receive anything he's trying to get you to see something this morning that's the goal of this morning's message to get you to see how much God loves you, okay? He loves you. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. I'm so glad God doesn't deal with us according to what we deserve, but according to what his love decided on the cross. We don't deserve his love, folks, but I'm so glad that he gave us his love. The passage continues, says that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, but it is it knew him not. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. May I go back to verse number one that says that ye are called the sons of God. Okay, so if we are called the sons of God, that makes God our father. That's who it makes him. Now, I don't know about any of you, but uh, when my wife and I got engaged, the hardest thing for me to kind of transition to was to transition to that point of calling my father-in-law dad. There was just something about it, just calling him dad, but just it took a while. I would see him and he would kind of just like, <coughs> hey, dad. And, and he was he's not the type that we're on a first name basis. It's just, it, you know, everybody has their type. We're just not um, hit. I can't even remember his name sometimes. It's Philippe. And he's Filipino. And so uh, sometimes for me just to say Philippe, I, I'd rather just call him dad. But it took me so long to call him dad. But I knew he liked it because he'd get this, this smile. He's, he's actually a pretty uh, uh, somber kind of guy, not a real happy guy. But I think he liked this white boy calling him dad. I just think he thought the irony was funny. I think that's what he thought was pretty neat. But it took me so long to get over that. And um, I remember when it finally happened. Now it's just normal. But it, it took a while. For some of you calling God dad or father is a hard thing. It takes a while because the relationship isn't there. I didn't grow up with Philippe Tanami-san. I didn't grow up knowing him. Matter of fact, he and I, we kind of collided, and he didn't really want me for a year. It was like, no, 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 no. traditional Filipino guy is what's going to happen for my wife. And so they tried to try to get not get rid of me, not like a hitman kind of thing, but it was just like, hey, they weren't happy about it, not encouraging, but yet not discouraging. It was kind of weird. And so for literally 05 to 09, there was this kind of little drama. And finally, once I got the ring on her finger, it was kind of like, all right, he waved the white flag. I guess this is happening. Can't stop it. And for some of you this morning, you haven't grown up in a Christian home. Christianity's new to you. You're skeptical of it. So to call God Father is almost like, like if I went up to Dave here and said, Dave, how dad i mean it would just be like dave and i are buddies we get along but it would just i don't know if i could call dave dad just it, it'd be that awkward you you wouldn't just go into the next theater find some dude and be like hey dad what's up he would probably call police wouldn't he he'd be like i don't know who this guy is the guy's wife would be like slap him maybe or something you know doesn't know what's going on because when it comes to god there's a relationship that he wants to have and it's not just a friendship some people want to have this relationship with God that they think is kind of on a buddy-buddy. Hey, God's my pal. He's my homeboy. It's not a based on a friendship. God says you're the son of God. It's based on sonship. That's a tighter, more intimate relationship. But get this. In the Old Testament, can you think of a time where God is called father? Think about it for a second. You say, I'm not really familiar with the Bible. That's all right, but some of us maybe are. Just think for a second. How many times can you remember... Um, Abraham talk about God as father? He doesn't. What about Moses? Moses had a good relationship with God. What about, didn't Moses call God his father? Moses didn't. 
What about Adam? Come on, it's the first. Did he call God his father? He didn't. God in the Old Testament is talked about being father only four direct times, and that's by David and the prophet Isaiah. They make the four times in the Old Testament that they call him father. There's three other indirect references that Israel is God's son, and God is Israel's father. Not Israel the person, but Israel the nation, the Jews. You see, it wasn't until way after in the New Testament that there was this lowly, humble prophet named Jesus that introduced the term father. Up until that time, calling God your father was, it was almost disrespectful. It was almost like, no, 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 God doesn't, we don't have that kind of relationship with God. Remember the Old Testament, they had the temple, the Holy of Holies, you couldn't go beyond it, only the priest could go beyond it. They kind of had this God's at arm's distance kind of deal. But Jesus, when he came on the scene, he broke that down. He said, no, 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 God is our father. He's my father. I've received Jesus into my heart. That makes him my father. And you, when you receive Jesus into your heart, God becomes your father. And this morning, we're going to look at God is our father. And maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, God's not my father, though. I've never received him. Well, this morning, there's no accident that you're here. You're here to hear this message, how God can be your father, how God wants to be your father. And his motivation for wanting you to be his child is not because he wants anything from you. The Bible says his motivation was his love. His love is what motivated him, not because he felt like, hey, I could get something really good out of you, but it was based on love this morning we've all been affected by our father some of us have been influenced negatively by a relationship with father some of you you've been influenced positively i'm blessed i grew up with a great father my dad when he grew up his dad died when he was just eight years old he didn't grow up with a father he never had that joy he never got to throw around the football he never got to go on the fishing trips he never got to do that stuff with his dad because his dad was not there so for some of you when we talk about father for some of you it's a positive reaction for some of you you're like "Ah, i almost wish my dad wasn't there he was just that bad he was abusive he was angry he was an alcoholic and you just go down the list and, and i don't know the different situations represented here but i know when we address this topic of father for some it's not an easy topic because we've all been influenced by our fathers whether positively or negatively someone has wisely said god loves fathers because he is one and that's a comfort because as fathers we don't always feel like we have it all together we don't always feel like we do the best job but to know that god loves us and he cherishes us i've got a very simple message it's not deep it's not profound but we're just going to go through the first three verses and verse number one i love this statement let's look at verse number one it says this behold what manner of love the father hath given and bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of god In this passage, God is saying who we are. This is who we are. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then God is your Father. You are a son of God. You see, the relationship God wants with you is not based on friendship. It's based on sonship. He says you're his daughter. You're his son. You're his child. And for many of you, you hear that, you read that, but you have a hard time believing that. For some of you, and you saw this in your worship guide, you got a sticker or a little label inside of that worship guide. It says, hello, my name is, and it's fill in the blank. Some of you have a pen, and you can fill it in. 
And I, and I got this one written right here on mine. It says, hello, my name is the son of God. That's who I am. Uh, you've met some people, they love badges. I'm not a big badge person. I'm supposed to wear a blue lanyard. I, I wore it the first day. I've never worn it since, you know. Uh, we'll go to a conference and I'll hide my name tag. I, I'm just not a big badge person. But then there's those people that love badges because that's like a mark of authority. And they like wear it and they like want everybody to see it. And when you're talking to them, they like want to put their badge in your face. And uh, they, they just big on badges, just really big on having a badge. Um, I'm not that way. I'm not like, hey, this is who I am. And then there's some people that they have this name and they're all about flaunting. Oh, I'm related to so-and-so. Uh, I met a son of somebody this past week, and Chris and I were there, and we met him, and his dad's a well-known preacher, written, written several books, but he didn't wear that as his calling card. It wasn't like, I'm the son of so-and-so. It was just like, hey, this is my name. I'm just kind of, just yeah, my dad's famous. Okay, he's traveled all over, well-known, but I'm just, I'm just nobody, and we could appreciate that. But for some of you, You've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and your name is the Son of God. That is who you are, but you have a hard time believing that. See, God says that's who you, you are, Son of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. That's who you are. I'm a son of God. But the problem is, we mess up, don't we? And we start to feel like our name kind of changes. Our identity kind of changes. And for some of you, you feel like your name is actually not son of God. You feel like your name is actually changed. You feel like this morning, no, 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 that's not my name. My name is anger. I always blow up. I'm always angry. Or maybe this morning you feel like, no, 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 my name is not son of God. My name is actually envy. I'm jealous. You got a new car. You got a better job. You got a nicer wife than me. You got a nicer whatever than me. I'm just jealous. And you feel like that's your name. That identity is taking over the identity of the Son of God. You see, and then maybe that's not where you stop. Maybe some of you, you say, no, 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 my name is lust. I can't, not just after uh, uh, women or men. I can't stop lusting after money, lusting after position, after power. Maybe that's your name. And you can put all these names on. Maybe your name is addict. And this is what you feel like. You feel like, this is my name. I'm not the Son of God, Pastor. That's not me. I, I'm I'm liar. That's my name. I'm just a liar. I'm here this morning. I'm a liar. Or maybe you feel like, nope, my name is hypocrite. That's who I am. Everybody around me knows it. I just fake it. I just fake it. I'm just a hypocrite. And you can go all through these names. I got failure. I've got shame. I've got guilt, laziness. And you can just think of a, a, of a thousand other names that you say, Pastor, that's drowning out Son of God. Yeah, I understand it in my head, but I don't feel like the Son of God. I don't feel like that relationship is all that close because I got, I got all these other names that just feel like they're just, just taking over. If you're close to somebody, touch the person next to you and say, you're the son of God. You're the child of God. That's who you are. And my job this morning is to remind you of your identity because remember that series we did on identity? We slip back. We have very short-term memory. You are the son of God. That's who you are. You are not named by your sin. You are named by your relationship. And your relationship with God is that you're a child of his. That's who you are, friend. You're not your sin. That's not who you are. Satan will always call you by your sin. But God calls you by his son. When he looks at you, he sees the perfect, spotless, sinless son of Jesus that died on the cross for you. That's who God sees when he sees you. See, the reality is that we need to see ourselves how God sees ourselves. God looks at you, Christian, as 1 John, uh, 1 John 3, 1. 
son of God, that he bestowed his love on his son. That's who you are. So the reality is, how do we handle that? How do we grapple with that this morning? You see, many of you, you hear it, but you struggle. You know what you struggle with? Notice this verse, the very end of verse number one. It says, therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knows it didn't know him. You see, this is where we struggle. It's not about what others say I am. It's about what God says I am. You see, in this same verse, God says, here's what you are. Don't expect people that don't understand God to get you. They're not. So some people this morning, you got up and went to church. This morning, you got up and read your Bible. This morning, you got up and you prayed. And this week, you're going to live a, a life, and you're going you're gonna to try to lead a godly Christian family. You're going to try to do right. And some people are going to look at you and say, I can't figure you out. And you're going to say, you just, just, it won't make sense because you don't, you don't know my father. If you knew him, it would make sense. But here's what's sad. There's this crowd that doesn't understand us. But you and I keep trying to have our, and this is what I wrote down. It'll be up on the screen. Too often we look to others to validate our values. What's sad is we look to them to validate us. We look to some self-help book. We look to some uh, TV show or talk show. We look to some friend and we look to them to validate our value. Like, yes, I know I'm the son of God, but right now I'm having my doubts. And then you need somebody to say, oh, you're really a good person. You're really doing okay. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I know who I am in Jesus. I don't need somebody to validate me. There's who you are. You are a child of God. Can I say stop accepting the labels and the lies others put on you? There's this label that other people put on you. Oh, I know your past. And there'll be those people. They say, I know what you used to do. I know what you used to be like. I went to my hometown this past Sunday, and my wife and I, we were there speaking for my brother's church. And, you know, I grew up there. They all know me. I mean, I was a little brat that was running around the church, and it was just, uh, uh, they, they know me. There's not that, that respect. So for them, it's kind of like, you turned out? Wow, there is a God. Amazing. You know, it's just kind of like one of those reactions, right? It's not respect, and it's not anything like that. It's just like, wow. God really, 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 really likes you. Like, really. Not just loves you. I mean, he really likes you. You actually made it. There's not that respect. But don't let those labels other people try to put on you limit what God wants to do because you are the son of God. Also, who I am doesn't determine how I act. Who I think I am determines how I act. But too often, we're not willing to confront the lies that are around us. You see, there's these lies that, that, that are constantly around us, and we are, uh, uh, when lies are not confronted, callings are not fulfilled. You see, God says, you're the child of God, therefore I've got a mission, I've got a purpose, I've got something for you to do. But when you don't stop the lie, when you keep believing that, hey, I'm just a failure, not the son of God, then you will never fulfill the purpose that God has for you. As long as you're limiting yourself to, oh, yeah. I'm just a shameful. My past has just held me in shame. I got this guilt. Then you can never move past that into what God has for you. And God has some great things. He's a loving, caring, heavenly father. He has so much for you. I wrote down, you can't live beyond what you believe. You can't live beyond that. What do you believe this morning about who God says you are? It's very important. God's your father, and he's, he's giving you this identity. See, insecurity is the biggest insult to God. When we doubt the product, we always insult the manufacturer. I don't know about you. Anybody ever seen that show? Um, it's called The Voice. Any, any voice fans here? 
pretty cool show. Watched it a couple times. Actually, I lied. I, I've watched it twice, okay? And the second time was yesterday. I told my wife I'm studying for this sermon. And she comes around my laptop, and she's like, you're watching The Voice. That's not studying. Like, what is, like, the spirit of Levine going to, like, give you inspiration or something? I was like, no. I was like, it's for the sermon tomorrow. So, honey, are you skeptical? This is where it comes in right here. Because I like the show because unlike American Idol, unlike America's Got Talent, they come on the stage, they look cool and everything, and the judges get to see them. And you and I, we make a lot of assumptions based on what we see, don't we? We really do. I used to be a boss. I'd hire people. And if they didn't come dressed nicely and presentable, I didn't expect them to work. So that, that was kind of like, uh, strike one, you know? And so what I like about The Voice is they just come out there and perform, but the judges are in these big chairs, and they can't see. And the episode I was watching yesterday, this guy had a very high voice. And so everybody thought it was a girl because he's wearing boots. And he had this high voice, and he's singing, and he's got a really good voice. Now, you and I, the audience, we could see what's going on. We know who it is. And, man, when they turned around, uh, Farrell, whatever his name or whatever, he turns around, and he was, like, shocked because he's like, you're a dude? <laughs> he just said, it was kind of funny, like his voice and everything. And we're watching the show, and they turn around. And then sometimes what happens is the judges want to get them on their team. And so they'll, they'll all fight to push the button. They'll all chairs to turn around, and they'll all try to, hey, no, I want you on my team, and they'll, they'll argue with each other. And at the base of their chair, what lights up is something that says, I choose you. I choose you. It's really neat when, man, people get picked. That's really awesome. But twice in the episode I was watching, two people had pretty good voices. You see the judge go like this, and I know they do it for ratings. Their hands over this button that they push. And when they push that button, the chair flips around. And it's just like Adam Levine's just like, Nobody's chair turned around. And this girl sang her heart out. And they've all got a really great story. You know, she grew up in New York. Mom left. It's her and her dad. They were singing in the subway to raise money. And that's how she worked with talent and how she's trying to do better. Nobody picked her. And you just see him crying. And he's just like, oh, oh, you jerks, you four jerks. How could you not turn around and say, I choose you? And some of you, that's you this morning. You're waiting for maybe an earthly father to turn around and choose you to validate you. That's why you can never move on. You're waiting for somebody, a boss, to turn around and say, I choose you. You're waiting for that friend that just is not going to hit the button and say, I choose you. You're waiting for the boss. You're waiting for the relationship. You're waiting for somebody to validate you. And you're just like, God, I'm just on the stage. And then off to the side. Here's this God that said, you didn't have to perform. I chose you. You didn't have to sing a note. I chose you. You didn't have to sing anything. I picked you. I picked you before you were even existed. I chose you for the foundation in the world. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I choose you. I pick you. I pick you. And God is like those judges standing up on the chair saying, I pick you. I pick you. And, and you're just kind of like paying attention to these four judges. Missing out on that God of the universe who says, I picked you, I made you, I want you. And yet you and I, we just kind of like go through our lives just thinking, who am I? Am I really a son of God? And God's like, yes, you are. I've lavished my love on you. I want you. But you go in day in and day out. Headaches, stressful, depressed, angry. 
that nobody validating you like you want, that nobody appreciates you like you want. And I'm here to tell you, God says, you don't have to perform for me. He says, I love you. That's who we are. You are the child of God. You are the daughter and son of God. That's who you are this morning. But then there's who we will be. Number two, who we will be. Verse number two, I love this. It says, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. That's hope this morning. That tells me that there's something better out there. If you're thinking, is this the best it's going to get? I'm here to answer that question. Nope, it's going to get better. Because God says, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. When he shall come, there's coming a day, friends, when all this lust, all this guilt, all this shame, all this failure, we're not going to deal with it anymore. You're going to have a new body with new desires and all this junk that we deal with. It's going to be washed away. That's who we will be. And that's a great day. I need to hear somebody say amen. They're excited about that day. That's a great day. That's exciting because there's going to come a day when we're going to be in heaven and all the tears, everything's going to be gone, all the pain, all the suffering, all those bad memories, all those days we were just frustrated and we're wondering, God, what are you doing? And God's saying, there's coming a day. There's coming a better day. There's what we will be. And we hang on for that day. You see, God has got something so great. We have a divine purpose, but we must go through a detailed process. We have that divine purpose. It's established that God wants to do something great through you. I love Philippians 2.12. It says, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's our part. God said, there's coming a day, but you're not there yet. So work. Draw close to me. And then thirdly, there's what we should be. See, once we understand our identity, then we can have the right activity. You don't get the right activity without the right identity. You need to understand who you are if you're ever going to accomplish what God has for you. It starts with the identity. And then we build in verse number three. Notice this. It says, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure and let me just read on a couple verses because there's a lot of misnomers a lot of uh, 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 things that are lost in translation verses it says verse number four whosoever commit a sin transgresses the law for sin is the transgression of the law and ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin whosoever abideth in him sinneth not whosoever sinneth hath not seen him neither known him and it sounds like once you get saved there's sinless perfection that's almost what it sounds like and if you read on the other verses you're thinking Man, I screwed up a long time ago, so I must not be saved. And you're probably like me where you got saved three or four times, and you're just like, man, I would sin, I would feel guilty, and then I would try to get saved again and get baptized again. And then a couple of weeks later, months later, it would happen again. It happened to me every time I went to teen camp. Man, you go to teen camp, just get saved, baptized all over. Just, you just go through the ritual, you mean the preaching. You, you, they, they keep you up late, they exhaust you during the day, and then they just preach to you until you about flat wore out. And of course you're going to make great decisions. It's great, you know? And uh, that's what you would do. And... Uh, Uh, You get on fire for God, but then you would just backslide. And here we see that it's not about sin's perfection. What he's saying here is he's challenging this deceitfulness. And notice what it says in verse number 7. It says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Here's what's happening today. There's a lot of people today that say, I'm going to heaven. Don't judge me. They're saying, I'm going to heaven doesn't matter how I live. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. The problem is not that we're judging. The problem is this. God never intended us 
to be the casual Christian. It's never what he intended. He never intended us to be the lackluster, lackadaisical Christian. He never intended us for Sunday to be the only day that we went to church. He never intended us for Sunday to be the only day that we pray, the only day that we read the Bible. He never intended that. He intended so much more. But sadly, I feel like we're finding ourselves coasting through the Christian life. You find yourself just going into autopilot. Oh, I just read my proverb for the day. Oh, I just kind of pray for the day, and I just spend five minutes, and that's it. And that's never what he intended. God intended us, and we talked about this last week, about intentional holiness. There should be an intentional believing. There should be an intentional living out of our Christian faith. The Apostle Paul even says, shall we sin that grace may abound? God forget, forbid. That's not God's plan. And for some people, you'll meet them, and you're thinking, wait a minute, haven't you been saved? Isn't your life changing? And it's not for us to say, well, you didn't, you didn't line up to me. It's, it's for us to say, wait a minute, the word of God should be changing me day by day. There should be this progression where there are things, the old man is being pushed out and the new man is here. That there's some old habits that I'm letting go of. Where some of these things where I used to struggle, there should be, as I read the word of God, I get the strength and I get the power that I need to see God overcome this the here and now. That's what the writer is talking about. You see, God wants you to develop what he has deposited. You see, before, overcoming sin was impossible, but now greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, First John chapter number 2. See, now you've got something inside of you that can overcome the sin. It's not up to you and I. So God wants you to develop what has been deposited. I learned this week, and I thought it was great, that no one has ever slipped into holiness or godliness. No one just slipped into it. We mess up, we slip into sin, but no one ever slips into godliness or holiness. It's not like somebody just walked along, oh, whoa, I'm fasting for 40 days. How did that happen? I just stopped eating. That was, that was miraculous. It's not like, oh, whoa, I just told that person about Jesus. Uh, man, don't ever do that again, man. Just walk along, whoa, I was praying with a coworker. What happened? I didn't know how that happened. None of us just slip into, whoa, I'm loving my spouse. That, that's weird. Uh, oh, man, I'm not yelling at the kids. This is crazy. What's wrong with me? I got to go to the doctor, you know, and check my pulse. Something's wrong here. Nobody ever slipped into godliness. We walk into it. We purpose to do it. Just like you purpose, like me, to sin. It's not like it just happens. We walk right towards it. We rock, walk right into it. Same thing with, with our Christian life. Hey, you say, I'm struggling with my Christian life. Are you intentionally reading your Bible to say, hey, how can I overcome the sin? What are you intentional about? Because we don't just slip into it. This is not an accident. Hey, church, we've got to engage ourselves with the word of God. Don't just depend on me on Sunday mornings to kind of get that spiritual food that's going to last the week. Hey, this message barely lasts you to your growth group. Let's just be honest, all right? So we need to say, how am I going to be intentional about the word of God? Not just the podcast, not just notes, but how am I going to continue to say, God, I need you. I need to grow. I need you. The, uh, Psalm 42, verse number one, it says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants, desires you. That's what God intended. That's what God wants from us. That each and every day, there's that desire, there's that longing. And that longing comes from the Son of God that's inside of us, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, where we have that new desire. God wants to work inside of you. So don't just think, oh, man, in the process of osmosis, I'm going to slip into this godliness. I'm going to slip into this holiness. It doesn't happen by accident. You see, sadly, when an unbeliever sins, he sins against the law. But a believer, when he sins, he sins against the love of a father. 
That's who we sin against. It changes everything, doesn't it? When we understand that, that I'm not just sinning against me, I'm, I'm sinning against a father who loved me and died for me. Changes my perspective on things. There's a story I heard from a preacher, and, and, and you've got to always take that with a grain of salt, and I'm going to share it with you. This son kept acting up towards his mom, kept, kept saying all kinds of stuff, kept, kept not respecting his mom like he should. And the father said, I'm not putting up with it. I'm done with it. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. And the son kept on did it. Sure enough, he, he disrespected his mama. And um, the father said, that's it. Ten. Took off his belt, you know. When he took off the belt, it's like lightning cracking through the air. And he told his son, bend over, and maybe this will get me some emails about spanking. You're not supposed to spank. And uh, uh, we spank, folks. And we'll, I'll tell you more about that. We don't abuse, but we do spank. And uh, it's very healthy. God made a, a really good spot for spanking. And uh, so we, we will get to that. And, and, and if that, that's something that you say, no, no, that's wrong, uh, my email is chris at southridgesanjose.com. Okay, make sure that's where the email goes, all right? And so this, this, this dad was going to punish his son, and he's going to give him a spanking. And just as he's about to spank his son, he stops. He said, nope, this isn't working. And instead, the dad took off his shirt, and the dad laid across the kitchen table and said, son, now you are going to spank me ten times. But you're not just going to spank me. You're going to beat me with my own belt, and you're going to hit my back ten times. The son kind of laughed it off like, no, nah, dad, it's not happening. And the dad, with dead seriousness in his eyes, said, no, you don't understand the consequences of what you're doing, how it hurts me. So the father said, ten times. The son, realizing his dad was serious, took that belt, tears in his eyes, just kind of lightly hit his dad on the back. The dad looked at his son and said, I said hit me. That one doesn't count. With tears in his eyes, his son just hit his dad. And if he didn't do it hard enough, his dad would say, no, you got to do that one over. And for the first time, the son was broken over his sin. Because he realized how bad his sin, how bad his problem hurt the ones he loved the most. You see, you may think God's punishing me for my sin. He punished his son. That's changed the way we think about our Christian life. That God doesn't want us to go out just careless about our sin, casually. Oh, it's okay. On Sunday, I'll kind of take care of it we need to see that our sin does hurt our heavenly father and we walk in life with that intentionality every head bowed and every eye closed